Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. We begin with a story that has now gone national, uh, an extremely tragic story of a 20-year-old woman, Schuylerville woman, who was shot dead over the weekend in the town of Hebron, which is southern Washington County, about a half hour, 40 minutes north of us here in Cambridge. And it was a classic case of these young people, four of them, wrong place, wrong time. She and three of her friends were out looking for another friend's house. They were partying. So these kids, they get lost, and they pull into this driveway, and they're not there long, a minute or two, and they were attempting to leave. And this the homeowner comes out, 65-year-old Kevin Monahan, and opens fire, railed off two shots. One of them hit this young girl, 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis, again from Schuylerville, hits her in the neck, I guess, and she dies. And the shrapnel from one of the shots, hit a second young person, I guess took part of his hair off one side of his head. He was not injured, though. And my daughter, Madeline, knows uh, a couple of these young people, and she went to school with one of them. It's just unbelievable that this can happen in our own backyard. Again, wrong place, wrong time. The, these They weren't attempting to cause this gentleman any harm. And there's a lot about this story that really has to be filled in. I, I've been saying this since I heard about it. You know, some things just don't add up. Yes, he was maybe he was scared. Maybe his his home had been broken into or burglarized a number of times. I don't know. It seems that he was he was the aggressor. They were attempting to leave. He came out, railed off two shots, and he's charged with second degree murder. Now, why is this a national story? It's not a national story. It is now. It shouldn't be. It's an international story. Because you have people like Viola Davis, the actress, putting it on her Twitter feed, and she's got like a million followers. And some of the comments, I don't have, I'm not on Twitter, but my wife was saying some of the comments on Davis's feeds were saying, uh, you know, you got to watch these these old white men, you know, with, with guns. I mean, they're, they're dangerous. They got to be taken care of. I mean, like, why do that? You know, I think that's part of the problem is the fact that everything is national. Townhall.com led with it today on their newscast this morning. Uh, NBC had it. Uh, as one of their stories online and uh, on their national broadcast. it's I don't think it's a national story. It, it's blown up. These kinds of stories are blown up by the media and it, because it fits a narrative that, you know, guns are the problem and uh, they, they've got to be eradicated. And we've heard some of those arguments already, immediately after this young girl was shot and killed. It's a local tragedy. And I have four children. I have two daughters and two sons, and I cannot imagine going through what this, her father and mother, her father's a cop. I can't imagine what's going, what they're living through. No parent should have to bury their child. But in this way, to lose a child in this manner is just, it's just unbelievable. You know, but some of these uh, comments on these Twitter feeds, you know, crazy white dudes with guns are the problem. And no, that's not the problem. It's the heart of the person holding the firearm. It's not the firearm. What about faith? What what role does faith play in this kind of a story? And I, I tell people, if that happened to my daughter or one of my children, I'm not sure my faith would be able to pull me through it. I'd like to think it would, but I can't say for sure. I'm just being honest. I love the Lord. I believe him with all my heart and soul. And the Bible tells us that our days are numbered. Does that mean that this young Gillis, a woman, her days were numbered 20 years, that was going to be it for her? We don't know. Someday we 
we'll all know. But there's a there's a verse in I think Second Timothy. My wife and I were talking about it this morning. I didn't I don't have the verse in front of me. Second Timothy uh, chapter three verses one through thirteen talks about the end times, men being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, brutal. And we are certainly living in those times. It seems to me people are brutal. They are lovers of money and of themselves. Sure, that's men have been that way since time began. But things, you know, things are out of whack nowadays. We live in very violent times, perilous times. My daughter, uh, my other daughters said that her school was locked down. It wasn't an active shooter or anything like that. I guess somebody had to be taken out in a stretcher and they locked the school down at like 210. They were supposed to be released at 220. And my wife, you know, is obviously nervous. She said this, she sent me a text. She sent me a text saying that the school has been locked down. I can't pick up Isabel. So everybody, parents are on edge, and, and with good reason, because if you hear stories like this. Now, there's another, and the media kind of piggybacked this story with one in Kansas City, that young black kid. Again, another case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, went to the wrong house. And this uh, homeowner, I guess he was a condominium or something, he shot the kid in the head. Now, th- that kid is still alive as we record this. Hopefully, he stays alive. And there's always a racial angle when a black person is the victim, as he was here. It was terribly unfortunate. The local NPR affiliate, my wife told me today, she gave me a blow-by-blow, they played up the racial angle because they're all liberals and that's all they see is race or ethnicity or gender. And the shooter, again, is white and the uh, the, the victim uh, is black. If the shooter were black, you can bet that we'd probably never have even heard about the story. And Joe Biden, I guess, uh, called the young boy's parents, to uh, offer condolences. I mean, again, the, the, the child is still alive, fortunately. But you can bet Biden would not. Did he call the uh, the parents of this white girl, this uh, Gillis girl in Schuylerville? Maybe he, he will, but I don't think he has because the shooter and the victim were both white. But because the victim was black in Kansas City, the president, again, played up the racial angle. Now, the Hebron shooting is still under investigation. Now, you know, why would a homeowner rail off shots at a car that is leaving? Now, when you live in the country, and I tell people this, that's how it is up here. You cannot pull into the wrong driveway. It's happened to me. I've I've been on fishing trips in the Adirondacks. This was 15, 20, 25 years ago. And, you know, you take a wrong turn. You're in the woods. You're you're following a trail. It's a four-wheel drive only. And you think you're heading to a, a you know a pond or a lake in, in the woods, and you take a wrong turn, and you're in somebody's backyard, and it's happened to me. And I, you know, you don't want to be there. It's hard for people who live in you know the suburbs in Clifton Park or in uh, Saratoga to understand what how it is. Life in the country is a little different. People have guns at the ready all the time, and they're loaded. I know people personally have loaded guns right near where they can get at them in the country because you know you're not near any police station. By the time you call the cops or 911, it's, you could be done. I mean, it's, that's just how it is. In the country, people shoot first and ask questions later, unfortunately. Anyway, uh, but when the car was leaving, that makes the, the homeowner the aggressor. And he's charged with uh, second-degree murder, as he should be. But the local talk shows are, again, I listened to some of the local shows this morning, and they're missing the point. This guy, and I'm not condoning what he did or uh, defending what he did, the, this 65-year-old uh, Kevin Monaghan, but maybe he was fearing for his own safety. You could, he could have made that case if the car had been there more than a few minutes. But it may, again, maybe he was burglarized. I, I don't know. But again, the investigation is ongoing and we'll find out more about it. But I don't think the story should be plastered all over the internet. 
on NBC, ABC, CBS, and now it's uh, on uh, Town Hall and so on and so forth. But that's how it is. That's that's the age in which we live. You know, we have 24-hour news and everybody gets their news online. A lot of, a lot of folks do. So every story is potentially uh, a national story. You know, I saw a, a part of an interview that Tucker Carlson did with Elon Musk, a two-parter that aired Monday and Tuesday of this week. It's about a nine-minute clip, the one I saw, and he focused a lot of the the uh, of the interview on artificial intelligence, about which I know very little. And I think a lot of people uh, don't know a lot about AI, and even Carlson admitted, I can't wrap my brain around something that huge, but Musk can, and Musk is a very, very bright guy, obviously, and he's got a good sense of humor, too, according to Carlson. He says he loves puns, loves plays on words, and and they talked about AI and how the government, if, it, if the government gets a control of AI, they can really uh, manipulate a lot of information. And we don't want that. So check it out if you got a couple of minutes. He also talked about uh, the, the Democrats and how they uh, government in, in general was involved uh, in censoring speech with the Twitter files before Musk bought Twitter. He play, he's played a vital role in loosening some of the control and the liberals hate him for it. And, you know, he wants speech to be uncensored and free. But liberals are against free speech. They claim they are for free speech, but they want controls on speech because now they can't control the narrative and they're not happy about that. So they're taking it out on Musk. So anyway, he's talking about uh, the Twitter files and the Democratic meltdown about what's being exposed. And uh, we see and we we found out over the past several weeks how much effort was being exerted to influence social media and shape the narrative that was being put out there. We saw how the FBI was involved in flagging people's posts on Twitter. We saw things like uh, Congressman Adam Schiff's staff flagging a journalist whose reporting was exposing Schiff. And we saw the government trying to censor COVID information that didn't comport with what they wanted us to, to know. Any information that contradicted their narrative, they tried to censor. And Democrats tried to deny it, and they're looking ridiculous. They even flagged Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's a liberal Democrat. But on the issue of COVID and the vaccines, Kennedy is dead spot on. I read the book, The Real Dr. Fauci. I read parts of it. It's a huge thousand plus pages, but it's some vital information in there. And he's running for president, I think, uh, RFK Jr. And he's going to make some waves because he is a Kennedy. He is a Kennedy, but we saw Democrats flipping out because they're getting some of this information is finally getting out there and they don't like it. So anyway, it's a two part interview, Elon Musk and uh, Tucker Carlson. Check it out on YouTube. What else happening here? I mentioned last week about this uh, movement. I've heard some politicians, Republican politicians, always Republicans, conservatives. I shouldn't say Republicans because a lot of Republicans are not conservative, but a lot of conservative Republicans are calling for what's what they're referring to as a decoupling. In other words, red state people, you know, moving to red states, blue state people moving to blue states. And, you know, and it's happening. It's been happening for, oh, I don't know, maybe a decade, maybe longer. And uh, somebody that I interviewed a number of times on the old radio show I had in Albany, uh, Wayne Allen Root has written a couple of columns about it. And there's one here that I'll just reference. It's called The Great American Relocation. It's basically what's happening. Conservatives, Christians, are getting away from these uh, nutcase liberals who live in places like New York and Connecticut and New Jersey and uh, Illinois, California, certainly, and they're moving to red states. And we see over the past few years, this is millions of Americans 
have left these deep blue states, such as New York and New Jersey and California and Illinois, and they've set up shop in places like Florida, Texas, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Idaho, Utah, and even Nevada, which is kind of purple, but it's uh, it's a low-tax state. I don't think there's any state income tax in Nevada. There's no state income tax in uh, Florida either. Tennessee, for that matter, has no state income tax. Young guy I worked with, Kenny, our uh, the BMG Network uh, president and CEO, Ken, has moved to uh, Tennessee with his family, and he loves it. And a lot of why wouldn't you? Low taxes, a better economy, and the government is just out of your business. They don't bother you. Red states are booming economically, most of them. Now, I haven't been to uh, California in a long time. It's been 20 or 30 years, but they're not doing well. Nevada is thriving. They got a Republican governor, a Republican lieutenant governor, and that's how it is. Red states, we know Florida and Texas, their economies are just doing wonderfully. Why? Because for, in Texas, the government, the legislature meets for 60 days every two years. They have low taxes, uh, uh, fewer regulations in places such as New York, and their economies are, are really doing well in the red states. But you think these idiots who run the legislature here in New York, the Democrats, would, would take a page out of that playbook, but they don't, they don't want to because they have an agenda. They know the economies of the red states are better than they are in the blue states, but they don't care about that. They're doing well because they're paid by the public. New York legislators make, state legislators make $142,000 a year. That's their base salary. Then they get added money for uh, coming to Albany. They get paid per diem, so 171 bucks a, a day. They get, I think, 12500 extra if they chair a committee and so on and so forth. It's a pretty good gig. But there's this decoupling, and, and there's also what's going on is that red states are building, and, and you can do that no matter where you live, and Root points it out in one of his columns here. We can form a parallel economy. How does that work? Well, you spend your money in places or you know, with companies or businesses that share your values. They're patriotic. They're conservative. They may be Christian. So spend your money on, in these places and only these places. We need to defund the left. Don't give them any business. I know it's hard to do. So many of the big companies, Verizon and some of these, uh, the mega companies are, they, they donate to left-wing causes. They support pro-abortion uh, legislation in different states. And it's hard not to deal with these huge mega corporations. But where, where and when you can, you ought to just spend your money with companies who share your values. That's how you do it. You create, by doing that, create a parallel economy. And, you know, nobody can tell you how to spend your money. It's your money for the, for the most part. You can spend it as you see fit. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. We still have that freedom in this country. I like the idea. Will it work? I, you know, who knows? I want to mention, too, before I go, the, this business with Budweiser. It, it's a, it was formerly a conservative company. Budweiser and the people who drink Budweiser beer, I don't. I don't happen to like it. I don't think it's very good. But a lot of uh, working class people drink Budweiser beer. But they've lost their collective minds. Millions are boycotting Budweiser. And they've lost billions in value over the last several weeks because they hired this fruitcake. I can't think of his name. Mulvaney? This guy is, he's a homosexual. I don't, they, he can call himself a transgender, whatever he calls himself. He's a freak. And but he's Bud's spokesman. And this company has destroyed a century of positive branding with one 
incredibly dumb miscalculation. They went woke and they're going to go broke unless they, now they're trying to walk it back quickly. They're trying to undo the damage, but the damage has been done. Then you had the president saying transgender people shape our nation's soul. I mean, how much of a fool can he be for saying that? That's why, as I mentioned, there's this national divorce underway. I don't care what you want to call it. We have this uh, discussion here in New York State. There are a number of uh, Republican lawmakers who have called for uh, splitting in at least in two and maybe possibly in three different uh, parts. Separate upstate from downstate. Where would upstate begin? Well, that's a matter of, uh, uh, of debate where it should begin. And Long Island wants to separate from New York City. New York City is the problem. And the people who negate such a move from happening are always liberal Democrats. And their argument is, no, you guys will never be able to support yourself. I mean, Wall Street, which is in New York City, Wall Street funds 20% of the government and the government operations, and you'll, you'll never make it on your own. Well, I, my, always, my response always is, well, let's, let's tr- have a trial separation. Let's just do it for a year or two. And if it doesn't work out, we'll, you know, we'll come back together. But I think we need to separate somehow. It's not going to happen because the Democrats who control the legislature won't let it happen. And frankly, frankly, the Democrats who control Congress won't let it happen because Washington would have to sign off on it. And that's not going to happen. But there's a North and South Dakota. There's a North and South uh, uh, Carolina. There is a... Uh, I guess that's West Virginia and Virginia. So it's been done before, but it hasn't been done in a real long time. But I think it's time here in New York State. California has a separation movement. Parts of California want to separate from, you know, the, the, the parts that are evil, the San Francisco and the Los Angeles area, all the part where, parts where the, uh, the liberals control, which is most of the main cities. You know, they're dirty, they're filthy, they're dangerous, taxes are high. It's just, uh, you know, I know I'm kind of uh, digressing here, getting off the, uh, the beaten trail, but I mean, that's, uh, I think that's what's going to happen. It's already happening. One way or the other, we have to, we can't live with these people. We can't live alongside them. I'm not for moving. I'm a, I, I want to fight. I love where I live here in upstate New York. It's getting loaded with these liberals who look like they're from Greenwich Village, these ponytail people who drive Subarus. It, they're, they're hard to live with these people. I have a live and let live attitude as most people do. I don't care what anybody does. They can live their lives as they see fit, and I'll live my life as I see fit. Just leave me alone. But they can't leave you alone. They have to try to control you. And that's why we we see this uh, decoupling going on around the country. Okay, we've got to run. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. If you like what you heard, please hit like, hit subscribe, and share with your friends on social media. Tell them about the Pac-Man podcast with me. I'm the Pac-Man. Ted Flint. We do this at least once a week and tell them about the BMG Network. That's where you can find this show and all the other fine podcasts we have up there for you. And if you're looking for some good columns, check out the PAC Perspective that we do uh, every so often. I'd like to do it once a week. Sometimes I do it once a week. Sometimes it's once a month as the spirit moves me. So check it out, the BMGnetwork.com. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pac-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to thebmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. 
And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.